Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This is Ben. I am joined by Vesi Tasheva today and it's a real delight to be talking with her about Vesi.com, which is the first global online community for diversity and inclusion champions. So hi, Vesi. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. We met recently through Top Tier Recruitment, which has also launched a, a podcast, which I re- highly recommend you check it out. But Vesi is an expert in the field of diversity and inclusion, and I'm thrilled to be talking with her today about the Vessi.com platform uh, community. So, Vessi, if it's all right with you, let's just dive straight into it. Cool, yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> Where do you want to start? Well, let's start with your background then and how you got to this point. Sure. So, um, you know, some people are like, oh, what did you study? I graduated 10 years ago, business administration in the American University in Bulgaria. I started in advertising soon after I got into tech. Uh, I was in digital health. I worked with some uh, financial institutions over the years. Um, but yeah, talent tech was my previous uh, thing. And, so, and I've been in various roles, uh, marketing, product, strategy. I've led remote teams. I have been on teams where I have been the only remote person. <laughs> um, I have the last maybe five years, I have been reporting to C-level Um, executives and I think like all of those things kind of contributed to me feeling really ready to do my own thing Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) doing it remotely from everyone else as a as a single founder and um, yeah and kicking off um, Vesi.com it it was born out of uh, frustration in pretty much experiences where um, problems related to diversity and inclusion or not considered real pl- problems, for example, like um, homophobic or racist jokes or just like considered not a priority to deal with or not like severe enough uh, so that specific actions are taken even when there is like repetitive behavior. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'm not going to complain about this. I, wa- I want to do something constructive um and um and this is how vesi.com started i um i did a report i interviewed over like 20 people uh, on how um, 10 companies from 10 countries are approaching diversity and inclusion and it was it was really amazing to see how uh, companies in South Africa are approaching it versus, let's say, India, Malta, Mexico, Australia, like various places in, uh, across Europe, the US, and so on. And that was really inspiring. So as a result, I launched a report in January here in Dublin. Right. And um, that was just the, the kickoff of a series of events. Um, in April, I had an event in Sofia in Bulgaria. Uh, in Berlin, I'm having another one in um, in September in Berlin, and then another one in San Francisco. Gee, so, so th- this was kind of um, that. That's some of the background. And during the events, and while working and consulting um, companies, 
I, I identified like a challenge that wasn't very much on the surface at, at first. And it was related to the consequences of the emotional labor that diversity and inclusion um, requires. Um, so, you know, we feel very isolated in our own organizations. It's, uh, it takes a lot, a lot of time to see progress. And sometimes the progress is very little. And yeah, like there, there are so many factors resulting in diversity fatigue. Um, and this is how Vesi.com was, was born. And in particular, the, the, the online community, the global online community for diversity and inclusion champions. And it's, it's actually the first of its kind. And it focuses on uh, providing emotional support, um, DNI resources, uh, like education and opportunities to collaborate between the organizations. That's excellent. If I go to the report for just a moment, what were some of the differences across countries? Because that's really interesting. Hmm. Um, well, the most obvious would be related to the demographical challenges. Um, you know, let's say in South Africa, it, it would be related to apartheid, the, the recent history. It wouldn't be like even if the companies wouldn't address it so directly. It's it's in the air. It's in the context. Um, the the company that I interviewed from South Africa, it it was quite interesting because. Um, they shared about a specific accident when a white South African had tweeted something offensive, which got viral, presumably ra- racist. Um, and uh, it pretty much split up the whole society into two people who were like, yeah, what's the big deal? Like this tweet is the reality, whatever. And the other tweet was like, this is really racist. This is very offensive. So when people were coming into work um, the next day, and they didn't know, um, you know, how their their colleagues feel about uh, this because it like it 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 had shaken up the whole society. Um, and coming in, you know, the 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 founders of the company that I interviewed, they're. Uh, all like that, that's their words uh, white privileged men because they, they all have like private education um, they're not a South African themselves um, they're I believe they were from Zimbabwe um, and and they were saying um, you know they didn't know so the, as the employees were coming in they didn't know what to expect you know having founders that don't necessarily relate to those experiences and um, what was beautiful really that day is that people had a very open conversation and they saw that the, it, it was the case that it is a very tolerant and inclusive company uh, and hate and hate speech doesn't have place in, in, in that company. So I think that was really amazing to have such an open conversation about um, race and hate speech and I think it's quite rare, um, and for you know, in, uh, in I think that like the historical context in, in many countries is very interesting. In Ireland, uh, a lot of the challenges around diversity and inclusion are more so around like confrontation and conformism. Um, it's hard to have; it's it's very much not acceptable um, or disliked to have the uncomfortable conversations. Sure. And I think we can, again, see the, you know, the, the proof for that historically with 
um, you know, the, the sexual abuse cases um, that the Catholic Church was involved in, um, if you want, even like the, the, the housing crisis, um, th like so many things where we avoid the conversations. Um, there was also a recent um, story in the news about like the biggest tech company in Ireland worth billion dollars and no one really talks about it on social media that uh, the CEO of Intercom is now facing six allegations for sexual harassment and there is an investigation. So I think it's very interesting to observe how, um, and, uh, and it's not about like which side do people take, like is someone guilty or not? Um, you know, it's, I, it, uh, what really fascinates me and shocks me and worries me is that any kind of conversation is missing. What sort of conversation? Any, any, any conversation is missing on the topic online. Oh, okay. So it's, I don't know, it, it, really, it really puzzles me. Uh, I tweeted a few times. I was curious how people, what people think. And I actually got a lot of DMs. Um, but people don't feel com uh, okay. comfortable um, talking about those things. Publicly. And, and I, w I, w I was talking to some event organizers in the U.S., and I briefly mentioned my uh, uh, surprise uh, with the situation. And they said, oh, wow, that's interesting, because like, in the U.S., if something like that happens, like, people will be discussing it very actively. Mm, so I think history, cultural context... Uh, combined with changing demographics due to migration, or if, even if you want, like climate change, um, those problems related to diversity and inclusion, uh, regardless if we say like diversity at work or just demographically in whatever sense, um, they will be more and more frequent and more and more complicated. Sure. We'll be less and less prepared to, to tackle them, especially if we don't talk about those challenges. Definitely. One of the things that really interests me about Vessi.com is it relates to what you mentioned there about the uh, emotional en energy and uh, factors of isolation. There are, there are many learning platforms for different people and professions and so on, but they are typically around learning a topic or some resources and things like that. But you mentioned around the emotional support side of things. How do you plan to do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so basically when I was doing the report, um, it was Aubrey Blanche, uh, who's the global head of belonging and inclusion in Atlassian, who first brought up the topic of diversity fatigue. Um, and as I was interviewing different people throughout the report and then discussing the topic further with others and uh, having like my events, I, I saw what exactly was, um, what this term standard for. And um, it isn't, I think the, the, on the surface, we just see people participating less and less in organizations um, in terms of like volunteering or even, even like attending events that would be considered uh, DNI initiatives. Um, and the, the, the reasons that it happens is like limited resources, time, budget, we see progress slow. Uh, these are really complex problems that we're not always um, equipped to deal with. It's hard to create change outside of the organization because we don't know who to collaborate with. In many organizations, um, you know, the teams focus on DNI awareness. And pretty much by the end of year one that they have dedicated to DNI awareness, they're already facing diversity fatigue. 
Um, and then on top of that, the expectation from the organization, sometimes the leadership or, or the employees or even the, the full-time DNI leads from themselves, uh, hoping that they can do a few initiatives and already start seeing results. When we're talking about culture change, change management, and this takes years. Like if we, if we talk about an acquisition, we'll give it a few years to settle down to see how it impacted a culture. When we t talk about DNI, it's very similar. It's not a few like panel discussions or whatever. Um, so when people are facing those like emotional challenges, um, the consequences for a company are quite severe because first, as people s stop contributing, volunteering, and, and that's their free time, right? So we, we can be, they're not the ones to blame. But what, what happens is that um, this like journey, DNI journey stagnates, it stops. We don't see progress there. Um, and as that happens, people become kind of like cynical and skeptical about future DNI initiatives. So if we don't have any progress that we can um, showcase, we don't have year two. So like spending year one, year one on uh, DNI awareness is the worst thing that a company can do because they're running out of time and by the end of the year, they're facing diversity fatigue. And in year two, no one really believes in the, DNI, in the future DNI um, initiatives. And then this doubt feeds into disempowerment and there are organizations where we can see that people um, are facing situations such as, let's say you were volunteering um, 10 hours a week or two hours a week for DNI initiatives. And then you have your performance review with your manager and they tell you like, you know what, like you invested so much time into this. I would like you to invest all of your time into, into your professional development. Let's say you're an engineer. So I, I, I would like to see more of your professional growth happening than you volunteering there. So what happens is, the, the organization or the manager in this case is saying, DNI is not so important anymore. You invested too much time. I'm punishing you for this. You're not getting um, promoted right now, but I want you to focus more on your technical skills or whatever the, 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 the skills around the specific function yeah. is. And, you know, and then people, people leave because of a conversation like that, because it's, it's, you know, the, everyone went into DNI for the opposite reason, to feel more engaged, to feel like they belong, and then they have a conversation like that, and it actually results in higher, um, you know, turnover. Um, and th so this is a very expensive emotional journey for the employee, but also for the organization. And um, we need to kind of like take a step back and be like, okay, if um, diversity fatigue is caused by a lack of energy because of the isolation, the complex problems, how can we solve that? So um, the way I'm approaching it is on the, on the community and the platform, there is a section where we can talk about challenges anonymously. So you can bring any kind of uh, challenge or you can almost share things in a diary-like uh, format and say how you're feeling, what you have experienced. The responses are also anonymous, so that for those like top, top, top sensitive um, subjects, uh, no one uh, would worry like where this is going or, you know. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then another uh, bit that, that we're doing is once a month, uh, we have like a call to vent out. So people join on a Friday evening and they share like, okay, you know what? Those things went wrong this week or those people disappointed me and I've worked so hard and I really care about this so much and it hurts me. And, you know, I hated that it's now the weekend and I actually have a terrible weekend because of that. So like kind of like, venting out like just sharing this yeah exactly yeah like group therapy and (laughs) we cannot magically solve all of this and just prevent magically diversity fatigue but what we can do is energize each other like okay maybe you had a shitty week but maybe i had a really good week and that balances both of us or you had a shitty week and at least i'm there to hear your story and that's healing yeah, a problem shared is a problem halved. Or something yeah, like that. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So how are you planning to get the word out there and bring in new members? To be honest, word of mouth, uh, it's invite only. I don't focus on crazy growth. The community at the very start is very, very tiny. I prefer to have highly engaged people really cherry-picked with um, shared values than just go and like, you know, create like another Facebook group or something where it's either like a lot of noise or no one listens to what others have to say. And it's just about spamming and, you know, that's really uh, trying to get traffic to their resources or something. So here it's like, um, all about like, let's, let's get to know each other. Let's build this trust. Hopefully we can collaborate with each other. We can help each other in the tough moments. Um, We won't be able to fix each other's problems, but we can be there for each other in some capacity. And yeah, it's growing it one by one, probably in the least popular way among marketers. Well, you maintain Uh, quality that way, aren't you? Yeah, like that's that's the idea. Um, Very much about creating it together. Um, It's not, it won't be the responsibility of just one person or a few people. It's... uh, we're all equally responsible. I think um, the challenges are so, because the challenges are um, emotional, we're, we are all invested to make this work. That's really good. And how do people join us as individuals or through their employer? What's the format? Yeah, so actually both. Uh, when I um, started reaching out to people, um, I thought it would be of the most interest to companies, and it is. Uh, so it's typically a few people from a company uh, who join, either because it's like, let's say, like the global DNI lead, and then um, a few part-time people, and or a few people who are part of their diversity inclusion committee or employee resource groups. So it really depends on the size of the organization who joins and how many people make sense for them to join. Like if you're a global company like Hewlett Packard Enterprise, you, you know, you, you can potentially have dozens of people joining. Yeah. Um, if you're um, a company of a few hundred people, let's say 500 people, you probably have one or two people that should be joining the community. Um, but yeah, c- c- quality is the key. It's, it's invite only. Uh, there is an option on, on the website on vesi.com for people to request to join. Um, and also the existing members can recommend others. Um, as, as potential members. 
Very good. Uh, but yeah, but actually back to your question, uh, people can join as part of their company um, in companies where they don't have budget for that or the person is like, you know what, it doesn't have anything to do with um, my volunteering or whatever full-time job. I just want to be part of this because it's an area that I want to uh, grow into, etc. cetera. Um, they can also join. Besides those companies and individuals, um, there is also DNI experts, like let's say like uh, generational diversity experts, or even more, more specifically Gen Z. Um, there is also NGOs. There is different um, educational institutions. And the last one that always surprises people is there are representatives from companies that provide tech solutions for DNI challenges. Um, so, for example, Cassiopeia, um, they are a member of the community, and what they do is it's like a heat map where bullying happens in your company, where does sexual harassment happen in your company, or um, discrimination. That's very impressive. They talk in management about what you measure you improve. So I can imagine a heat map that shows bullying or discrimination or harassment performance or lack of performance or negative performance by location. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Would have yeah. Serious impact. And I love the fact that you've got the opportunity for larger companies or organizations to have people who are located in different places to be involved. I was talking to the HR leader of a global business recently about implementing cultural change and they were saying that one of the key aspects to that was having change influences in all the different locations, helping push through the change. The ideal way to do that. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely key. And especially when, let's say, if you have a diversity and inclusion committee, and let's say it's a 10 members, which is quite the, the average size, and most of them are based in San Francisco. And then you have one in, let's say, in Dublin and one in Singapore and one in Sydney. Um, the conversation is naturally more about the US just yes. because you have more representatives from there. So, um, you know, then it, it becomes very hard for the non US based um, committee members to be active, to be vocal, maybe because they represent smaller offices. And I think that affects their confidence um, in participating and, and speaking yeah. up. So naturally, the, the, the community, the, the, the committee focuses only on some, although it's like inclusive in terms of who is part of it, it could be exclusive in terms of the agenda. And um, when, when we bring, let's say, the person from Sydney and Singapore and Dublin uh, in, in this community together with some of the U.S. members, they have the same access. They, they become more equal in their knowledge, in their confidence um, um, in, on topics related to DNI. I think it's quite transformative for those internal mechanisms as well. Oh, definitely. I've, I've worked in head offices before and we've had away days or mini conferences where there have been people coming from, I don't know, outlying locations, smaller satellite offices, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. um, they were so inspired. They suddenly got so much more involved in change processes once they were in there and in with the main group, if you like. But every head office naturally controls the conversation. So I, I really like this. 
Can I move away for a second from the Vessi.com side of things? And, and I know that you hold quite a lot of workshops and you get invited to give speeches and go on to discussion panels. That's actually where we met, I think. How do you find these opportunities and what's your advice to other consultants and companies that are interested in doing the same? Yeah, so I think in DNI, it's um, most of the companies are like, hey, let's host an event together. Let's have a workshop together. Um, I think it's very easy to just say yes to that because that's what the companies have in mind with with the workshops i'm extremely careful because i don't want something that feels like they're doing dni but it doesn't change minds and hearts it doesn't last because then i know that i'm i'm responsible for developing diversity fatigue in their organization so i'm very careful at the moment i'm talking to one of the tech companies here about uh, a workshop in pride week and the whole agenda is um it it will it would be like a talk and a workshop and the whole idea is about feeling um you know what the the people who will be sharing their personal stories um, have to say in their experiences and it's and it's a very powerful story of course we cannot just like pull up um, emotional stories every time because then people will be like oh my god another uh, you know story like do they expect me to I don't know cry on every Friday afternoon like that's you know you can't you can't keep doing that uh, in this case specifically it will work and we'll build on top of that because the idea is to focus on courage vulnerability that's the focus of it will be like a fireside chat and then um, the workshop is again focused on that so we're connecting the personal s stories that will be shared with um, with the audience and it, I, I'm very I'm very careful with workshops um, there is one specific um, format with leaders that works very well, um, and I think it's important for, specifically for DNI for the, the full-time DNI leads um, or part-time. Um, it's when they're not sure. So sometimes they reach out to me and they say, "Okay, I need to start working on the strategy. Where do you think I should start? Like, do you have any tips?" And this is when a, lead, a workshop with the leaders is very helpful because we can, um, we can create an environment where we don't just like go to them with a strategy, um, but we ask them, okay, what is diversity for you? What is inclusion for you? What is belonging? What are your business objectives? What are the values of your company? And see what the overlap of those things are and use that then to create a strategy so that the strategy isn't just a DNI strategy. It's a it's a strategy um, that helps them achieve their business objectives, and it, it it addresses diversity and inclusion in a way that they understand and they they have already defined and they have an alignment around. And that fits into the company culture and goals. Yeah. 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 Um, so you would encourage consultants and other businesses, if invited onto something, to say yes because that will naturally feed into more invitations. Would that be fair to say? Mm, you know, um, whenever whenever companies mention a workshop, I'm always like, or, or speeches. Mm, I'm or, not sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think yes, speeches are really depends on the really depends on the context. I try to I always try to make sure that it's something that 
will be of actual value and will be relevant for for the audience it's not just a matter of like showing up and giving a talk or doing a workshop together and so on uh, i don't want to cause diversity fatigue especially when i'm working actively towards avoiding it or like preventing it to as much as it's possible or at least managing it better so i don't want to be part of the problem i want to be Part of the solution, and in terms of discovering such opportunities, it's really like attending events. Um, I'm organizing uh, DNI events around the world. Um, the report has been a way for many people to discover me and to reach out and get me on their podcasts or interview me for their blog or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah and like just getting to know people. <laughs> How did you approach the companies? Just out of interest on that report, I find that really interesting. How did I approach what? How did you approach the companies to come on and tell their stories in the report? Oh, yeah. Um, so I did a very personal post on LinkedIn. It was about my background. It, it was about my personal story, that I'm someone who's an immigrant, that I am a gay person, that I'm in an interracial relationship. And with with that context in mind, like, witnessing being part of a company that where um, sexist or racist jokes have been mm, tolerated um, and, and not considered real problems was really frustrating for me. And I have decided to give a platform to the companies who are genuinely uh, working towards more, you know, diverse and inclusive um, environments. And I, I asked people for recommendations. Um, and yeah, a lot of recommendations came out of that. Um, whenever I was, it, it was very easy to find companies in the US and Western Europe. Mm. Uh, I didn't want to create a report that is very much expected in terms of what, what's in it. Mm. Um, for example, um, so I'm from Bulgaria. In Eastern Europe, diversity and inclusion is very much seen as like, that's a Western thing. Right. I literally had a call with someone yesterday and they were like, yeah, we, we, we are very much aligned with Western values, re referring wow. to diversity and inclusion. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want things to be seen that way. I want to show that it's a universal, these are universal values. And I want to show examples from Eastern Europe as well. I want to show an example from South Africa. I want to show an example from India or Mexico and so on. And so it was really hard to find um, those cases. Sometimes it was because of a uh, language barrier. For example, I didn't, uh, at the end, I didn't get to um, interview anyone from Brazil. Like I was getting introductions maybe because um, I don't speak the language. It was, um, yeah, maybe, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that it, was, it was creating some kind of a barrier. But yeah, introductions, sometimes reaching out to organizers of Startup Grind in the respective country and saying like, hey, I'm doing this. Can you, do you know who would be the right people to talk to? And they'll make the intro right away. And yeah, that, that worked very well. I love that. So um, to pull it back to the LinkedIn post, you were asking, you told a personal story, uh, obviously an emotional one, but mm -hmm. also that asked for people to publicly recognize and call out companies that are doing good things in this area, which naturally gets people interested in spreading the good word. And it flowed from there. Is that right? Yeah. 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 And whenever I had like missing 
um, whenever I had like gaps, geographical or size of a company or whatever, um, I reached out proactively to um, people who are in a, in, a, in, a, in the respective ecosystem so I can get to those. Gotcha. Everyone does things differently. Did you go out with a big fancy Excel spreadsheet and access database built out in a big plan? Or do you think, right, I'm just going to go out and see what happens? What, where were you at spectrum? Um, no, I didn't have the Excel spreadsheet. What? Okay, so the idea about the report came out by accident. I was in Bulgaria and it was a day before I was coming back to Dublin. And uh, I texted a friend of mine because I, so I was about to, so I was in Bulgaria. I live in Dublin. Um, and in a week's time, I was to go to London. So I texted a friend in London saying, hey, I'll be in London in a week. Let's catch up. And he said, I'm sorry, we won't be able to meet because I'm currently in Bulgaria. Hope to see you another time. And I said, wait, I'm in Bulgaria for another 12 hours. <laughs> Uh, and he said, I'll drive you to the airport. <laughs> so he drove me to the airport. We had a coffee there. And I was talking to him about diversity and inclusion. And he said, you know what? Um, we do this and those initiatives. Um, I think our CEO would be a great person to talk to. And that was Marvel prototyping. The, the prototyping too. Right. And I was like, oh, it will be brilliant to meet this person. But, the, you know, I can just like knock on the door and be like, hey, just spend an hour with me for no reason. Tell me Re things, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, you know, I can write a blog post, but like who would read a blog post, you know? Like, yeah, some people will read it, but it's, that's it. Um, I need a more compelling reason uh, for that person to meet me and um, a more compelling uh, proposition for people to actually read it. And uh, I told my friend, Yavor, uh, uh, I was like, okay, give me, I'll, I'll come back to you in a couple of hours. I'm flying to Dublin now. So on the flight between Sofia, Bulgaria and <laughs> Dublin, Ireland, uh, I came up with the concept for the report. I messaged it to him uh, as I landed. He did the intro. Um, their CEO, um, Kelsey, immediately replied, I would be delighted. And I knew like I'm doing the report. That was the, the, the validation. And from there on, I was like, okay, if one person... Um, wants to do it and believes in what I'm doing. Um, now I'm just going to open it up for everyone, say that I'm doing it publicly and see who, who um, wants to be part of it and who gets recommended to be part of it and just take it from there. There was no Excel sheet. There were a lot of um, blank, you know, <laughs> uh, papers with like sketch things on it, like countries and, yeah, just random nodes. And yeah, it, it came out together beautifully. And what's it called again for people who are looking for it? Yeah, it's 2019 Diversity in the Workplace Report. Or they can go to vesi.com. So it's V-E-S-S-Y dot com slash diversity. And it will take you straight to the report. That's so good. So what are your longer term plans for Vesi.com? Creating more reports, creating more in-depth reports um, and doing like uh, years long projects with companies so that are tr truly transformational from the beginning through, through from the diagnostics of the state of inclusion so we can identify 
how inclusive is the company? What are the current obstacles? Um, and that's true, like uh, surveys and in-person interviews with the employees about their own experiences, their own observations, things they have witnessed, and um, creating a strategy and then implementing it and supporting it um, throughout the years. So I think th those projects are missing. I know that um, even like DNI consultants in the big four are not having access to such um, projects right now. And um, it's, it, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a pity. I think the, there is a lot of noise in the DNI space um, and companies are still not ready to, to commit um, fully to those topics. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that um, the companies will mature uh, and you know, people like me uh, will be able to help them really transform the organizations. And DNI is really culture, so it's it's culture change. So uh, my long term plan is to help companies further in their DNI journey and create change that sticks. That's brilliant. I was going to ask you about the fact that the HR industry continues to evolve at a rapid rate, and what change and challenges do you see now and in the future? But you've probably answered that to a degree just then are there any other um, thoughts yeah i used to work in a company in the, in the talent tech space and uh it really used to piss me off that when people uh send their cvs no one sees them um like such a low percentage gets gets screened by a person at the end i think this creates a huge like distance of this isolation uh, between us um, that comes from automation. Automation is great for so many things, um, but I think there is a clash or maybe an opportunity with having so much automation uh, when, so like empathy becomes very key and connecting, connecting with each other becomes key. So yeah, I think that's, that, that's something that will be only becoming more and more the case. It comes with its challenges. It also creates a lot of opportunities. That's, yeah. that's how I see it. And, you know, that, that's, it's, it's the same reason why we need the emotional support in the Vessi.com community. Yeah, I really like the way you phrase that and tying it in with some of the other things you've said already. It shows you to be a person who loves trying to find a solution rather than the problem. I, I try. I yeah. try. I also have my moments when I complain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll let you have a few complaints here and there. But that's what Friday therapy is for, don't forget. Golden opportunity. Do you have any tips on interesting people or websites, tools, podcasts, or whatever that HR-related businesses should check out to grow faster? It's probably not the... It, 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 it won't be probably what you're expecting. I have seen businesses, HR or not HR-related, that fail because people haven't faced their own personal issues. I think it's important when in leadership teams that each of us deals with, with their own stuff and... I'm not, I'm not saying it um, as it's like something that's easy to uh, work on. I'm well aware that our personal stories often come with like a lot of tough experiences that require years to work on. And um, what I'm trying to say is that business growth happens when we grow as people. And if we're too focused on growing the business, but we don't deal with our own stuff, um, that you know, like the business will, will, 
will hit its limit very, very quickly. Um, it, can, it can result in so many things. It can result in issues um, in the culture. It can result in issues uh, in, in the leadership team. It can, so many. I think things that have really impacted me in the way I develop and like establish, develop, grow my business are things like, there is this book by Rachel Heller and Amira Levine called Attached. Mm-hmm. It's on attachment styles. Um, I think it's a great tool to understand how we create, what type of relationships, dynamics we have with you know, our loved ones. But I think it's also very, uh, it's, I see a lot of parallels um, on how we get attached to our colleagues or employees or bosses like what dynamics do we develop there and maybe we have a secure attachment style but maybe we we have an anxious or an avoidant attachment style and that doesn't just affect our um, relationships at home our love life and you know family relationships it also affects how good we are as managers if I am an anxious leader or if I'm an avoidant leader I want to be really good at respecting others personal space or feelings and so on maybe I'll be an exception and be able to manage both but I think it's a it's a it's a great opportunity to work on that. Another um, read would be "Games People Play." I think the title was something like that. Mm-hmm. It's by Eric Byrne, and it's on transactional analysis. Um, and some another read that I found very helpful. It was it was again connecting your personal experiences as a child and your relationships with your. Um, parents, your siblings, your friends, and then your relationships at work. Uh, It's called The The Secret Lives of Adults, and it's by Alison Keating. And it was was looking at like starting with the core, the self, and then looking into those different levels um, or dimensions of our lives and how they're connected with each other. So yeah, we can be great at the last level, which is work, if we don't start with the self. Absolutely. Finally, if people want to learn more about you and about Vessi.com and so on, what's the best way to do that? Well, Vessi.com is <laughs> the right place. As I asked the question, I heard the answer. Exactly. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, feel, free to out, feel free to reach out to me at Vessi at Vessi.com. Or you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Vessi Tash. So it's V-E-S-S-Y-T-A-S-H. And yeah, DM me or whatever. Or you can email me at Vessi at Vessi.com. I'm happy to connect. But obviously the best starting point for everyone listening would be um, Vessi.com. So... Excellent. Well, uh, Vessi, it's been really good talking with you and I really appreciate all your insights and I wish you all the best with Vessi.com. Thank you, Ben. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.